Hi, dreamers. This is Lucy, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Expats with Lucy Jan, where I interview expats from all across the globe to share their inspiring and motivating stories. Today I'm here with Nino Melikise, who is an immigrant entrepreneur in Canada. She was born and raised in Georgia and moved to Canada in 2018. Before moving to Canada, she also lived in the U.S. and Colombia for study and work. And we're going to talk more about why she moved to different countries and how her experiences have been, and also her passion for entrepreneurship and how her company can help immigrants in Canada, which I'm so excited to learn more about. Um, Nino and I share many common interests, I think, including Canada, living abroad in different countries, entrepreneurship, and also working in tech. So I can't wait to hear more about her journey. And welcome to the show, Nino. So happy to have you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So you are originally from Georgia, and yeah. I haven't been there yet. I would love to. <laughs> Can you it's share? Yeah, can you share more about how Georgia is? Maybe like now you're in Canada, you live in the U.S. So, you know how different it is. Oh, it's uh, I'd say it's very different. Like Georgia's like a classic um, second world Eastern European country. It's very fun. There's a lot of a.、Uh, It's always said like Georgia is like one of the very popular tourist destinations because the people are very friendly. The food is amazing. It's the country of wine, mountains, sea, like everything you want. You just have it in this one tiny country. So it is really great in that sense. But I do have to say, like compared, like whenever I go back to Georgia, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to work anywhere. I just want to go out, <laughs> want to meet people, <laughs> relax. So don't know how else to explain it, but definitely, yeah, that's the case. Very different. Wow, I, I just out of curiosity, like, are there are there many people from Georgia in in Canada, or like, is there any restaurant, like, I don't know, Georgian restaurant? Yeah, so、uh, actually, this was a big point for me because Georgian food is amazing. Like, I'm not、is、saying、okay. that Georgian is really good. Like,、uh, you ask a lot of people that have tried Georgian food, they'll tell you like you have to try it. That's actually、wow. one of our main selling points for all the tourists and digital nomads that、uh, go to Georgia. And all of the Georgian restaurants in Canada that I'm aware of, especially in the GTA, are in North York around the、oh. Bathurst and Steeles area. But now there is another one that opened by the beaches by Woodbine. So, oh wow!、I've, yeah, it's called Tiflisi, and I've gone there I think one or two times. I've ordered from there, and I'm definitely going to go back because it's in a nice location. It's pretty good. Oh my gosh, I love Woodbine Beach area so much. I know it's so fun. <laughs> It's like my favorite, especially this summer. Like it's so chill, and you got all these nice restaurants, and you have like the park nearby. So that's my favorite place to run away to in the summer. Oh my gosh! Okay, well, well, all right. So, okay, so you so you're from Georgia. You're born and raised in Georgia, and you decided、yes. to move to the U.S. I believe for the university in 2012, if I'm、yeah. not mistaken. So. Why、yeah. did you move to the U.S.? Obviously, Georgia is a beautiful place, great country with great food. Why? Well, there is a big difference between like living in a lovely kind of like a tourist destination, so to speak, and actually wanting to build a career. And I think a big factor into wanting to was、um, 
when I was five years old, my parents moved to the U.S. for a year and a half. So I finished my kindergarten and first grade in the States. And I learned English. In fact, I learned English better than my own language because I kind of forgot everything. Like Mm -hmm. everything just got jumbled up in a five-year-old's head. And then the language really stuck with me. Like I kind of kept English as like almost like a first language since then. And I had this dream of like, I'm going to go back to that country because I just saw as a kid, like America seemed so impressive. It was so much bigger. So like fast paced, all of the diversity, different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to this much smaller, calmer country that it's like not as much as going on in that sense, at least. So I had this dream that when I grow up, I will move back to the States to kind of pursue a career. And I was like, I really wanted to be a lawyer or like politics. I had all these dreams. And then I just applied to, I think, study engineering or computer science and completely changed everything that I did. But oh I did go to the States. That was, that stayed. Oh, so I guess like your your experience when you were, I don't, like you were five years old, that kind of like stuck with you, like, you know, since then, I guess. Yeah. And you knew that you're going to be in the US. Yeah, absolutely. Like there was a non-negotiable, like I didn't, like when I was studying for universities, uh, for exams. A lot of people, a lot of my friends actually wanted to apply to study abroad. And the difference between me and a lot of them was I didn't even study for the Georgia National University entry exams. Like I didn't even put a backup plan. I was like, it's oh, either that wow. or nothing. Yeah. No yeah. backup plan. Oh my gosh. So like, no. Wow. So what, did you ever like, like think that, oh my God, what, what was going to happen if, it, if I don't get accepted? Or you knew that, oh, I'm going to get Take a year accepted. off. <laughs> take a year off and try again. Like that was the plan, like wow. do something over like a gap year. Because I was pretty young. I was 17 when I was graduating. Mm-hmm. So I had time and that I, I was very sure that I was going to get in somewhere and get some scholarship. And that's exactly what happened. But if not, I was totally open to like working on some interesting projects for a year, maybe helping out. My dad worked at a university in Georgia, so maybe helping out there and then trying again. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, non-negotiable. I love that. And actually, you know, when you mentioned that you were thinking of becoming a lawyer, I I actually can see you. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people can. Yeah? I would have done it too. I've loved law forever, but I think uh, a thing that a lot of immigrants think about is like, where am I going to practice this law? I know. Like, am I staying in America? Am I going to learn for Canada? Am I mm-hmm. going to, like, where am I specializing? And I think that's what really put me off from doing mm-hmm. law at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, okay, and how was studying engineering? Like, and uh, were there any, like, challenges when you first moved to the U.S.? And how, how was, you know, what, you know, how was it? <laughs> so, fun fact is, I applied to study engineering and didn't actually study engineering. Okay. I went into the computer science. Stu- I applied for, I think, computer engineering because I didn't really understand the distinctions between the programs that well. Like, it was just me Googling programs and understanding what they meant. Mm-hmm. So, the moment I got into university, I actually did computer science. I did that for a year and a half and realized that coding is really not my passion. Like, I wasn't that horrible at it, but I really mm-hmm. didn't care much for it. But I liked IT. Like, I liked the concept of like, this industry that was rapidly evolving, it had lots of opportunities in our university. We talked a lot about like Google or Microsoft or working for one of those being the dream. So I switched to a major called management information systems, which was kind of like the techie side of business. So I had my computer science, like year and a half studies, like a minor, but then I also learned the business side of it. So I was pretty mm-hmm. much ready to take on almost any non-coding role within tech. After graduation, I just had to figure out what I really wanted to specialize in. 
Wow. Did you did you like did you like it? The your Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So it was a very big switch. So computer science I didn't like as much because coding wasn't my passion, but information systems I did like a lot. And like immediately like my grades started improving. I started like mm. loving the classes a lot more. Because you try various things. Like they did a class about like databases or mm. uh UI UX and you're like, Oh, I like this. Not sure how I feel about this, but like various tidbits of some things that come up in different IT professions, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I think like it, that because now you are an entrepreneur, so that that kind of like I guess like it, that kind of helped you to run your business. Yeah. Like yeah, right. So you, you obviously it's a generalist mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And and how how was it like living in the U.S.? Like, well, you lived in the U.S. when you were younger, but obviously, did you did you move alone to the U.S. or yeah? Wow. How was it? Like, did you have any challenges? Um, you know? Well, I think uh, there's a lot. I think I, I couldn't <laughs> even list them all off. It was essentially a 17-year-old with a like a paper signed by her parents that she's allowed to travel alone with two suitcases landing in a country wow. that she hasn't been since the age of six. And uh, I was very challenging at first because like, I just didn't really understand how anything worked. Like, Somebody mm. was like, do you? have a debit card i'm like no and they came like a bunch of banks showed up to campus and i was like how does this work somebody mm-hmm. told me i never had my own bank card um that was tough understanding the restrictions like for example where can i work as an international student what kind of internships can i apply for like mm-hmm. how many hours like all of those like nuances were very tough to navigate and in general kind of like it was all of a sudden a whole lot of things going on at the same time, like university in the States. It's very fast paced, lots mm. of people coming in from all over, not just the whole country, the whole world. And you're just like, I didn't even know this country existed or you only heard about it by name. And there's a person. Who's yeah. <laughs> and I was an example of that. Like no, a lot of my friends didn't even know about Georgia. So I was like, yeah, I'm from this country. This is normal. <laughs> so I think a lot of those like cultural gaps that I overcame, uh, learned about a bunch of different uh, people, places, uh, setting myself up, like in terms of like where I could work, the type of like bank accounts, all of that. That was something I was figuring out all on my own. Actually, I originate with you 100% because like when, when we think about it, like, I don't know, like, let's say when foreigners, like I, I'm from South Korea, when I think like, oh, like foreigners move to South Korea. Uh, oh, how can I open a bank account? Like to me? Oh, it's like, it's not like, it, oh, really? Like, is it that difficult? But like, <laughs> when I remember the, all those times when I lived abroad, I mean, oh my gosh, like I was so confused. It seems so simple, but like there are so many options. I don't know where to start and I don't want to make mistakes. And yeah. Yeah, like every single little thing, even even rent as well, like finding an apartment, yeah. um, jobs, like, you know, those are very confusing. <laughs> you just really kept relying on the experiences of people that went through things before you. Like, I remember mm. finding the first job on campus. I spoke to people that were international students that had jobs on campus. I'm like, how did you get a job? Like, there's so many places we can't work in and they would tell me. Or when I got my first apartment is because we had an American roommate. And she helped us figure out a lot of this rental stuff because mm. she had a better understanding of it. And then other international students told us these are the apartments international students typically rent. And mm. like that was like a whole series of like, what did the people before us do? Let's do that and improve mm. a little bit along the way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Did you have like friends from Georgia as well, like in university or? 
So there was a small group of Georgians around the time I was uh, mm. in university. Uh, I did. I was pretty friendly with them, but I didn't. I couldn't say I really hung out just with the Georgians. I think my whole take on the University of the States is that I came all the way to this country mm, know, to yeah. meet different kinds of people. So I went out. I actually, my core group of friends still ended up being international students for the most part. Mm. Uh, that just it just aligned better at the end of the day. But I yeah, I was very focused on trying to make as many different friend groups as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same for me too. I I agree. Like yeah, I mean like I love to hang out with my you know my people from my home country as well. But like I moved all the way here. <laughs> I wanna. I also wanna like you know hang out with yeah. like you know, get to know different cultures, right? So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about finding jobs, you know, um, you know, campus jobs and so on. I saw that you you had uh, two internships during university. Yeah. How was it difficult to find a job like during university? And also, like, like how about like finding your first job after graduation? Um, mm-hmm. How was your experience? So the first job after graduation was very hard. Uh, because at the time I was graduating, it was 2016, and it was already not a great time to be mm. a OPT holder in the U.S. OPT was this like uh, temporary, basically like the post-graduation work permit in Canada, but it's not really a work permit because it's they mm. give it to you for one to three years, and if you don't get a lottery type sponsored visa after it, you can't stay. Uh-huh. And so it was very tough. Like you had one in three chance to get that visa and a lot of companies just didn't want to sponsor you so i've straight up had interviews where companies would say oh we're you think you're a great candidate but we just realized that we need to sponsor your visa and we're not going to do that so mm-hmm. sorry and just you know that you ended up with that so on average i'd say i spent a lot more time searching for jobs than a lot of people that did not need that visa. It was just tough for everyone because getting a job out of college first thing is hard. And I had only three months to get it. Like you had a three month timeline. You had only three months, three months after only three months after graduation. I had to have a job by then. Wow. I had, it was, I I think a single handling that was probably one of the most stressful times of my life. Cause I was like, I didn't do all this work to just get deported because I can't find a job. <laughs> like, it's not getting deported, but like you, you, you yeah. can't find a job you leave. Like that's how it works. And I found a job actually, but that was, that ties into the other question. Uh, on the other hand, like getting jobs within university, getting internships is not easy. Like it's just, everybody talks about like, Oh, get an internship in college and figure it out. How many paid internships are there actually is mm-hmm. a different question. Not everybody, not a lot of companies offer the paid internship programs. Mm-hmm. And I was very, um, I searched really hard for tech companies specifically that would offer paid internship opportunities because mm-hmm. I used that money to later fund university or like, for example, I went for a project in university that was all funded by my internship money. And I found a couple of companies that I really resonated with that I build up a personal relationship with. So one year, first year, they didn't take me. They're like, you don't have enough experience. The next year, they're like, we really like you. So we're willing to find you whatever position we have open simply because, you know, we think you'd just be good for the company. And second time I got an internship, it was because a friend was already Mm -hmm. on an internship. She said, there's another one. I know you, I can refer you. And that's how I got in. So a lot of personal connections and a lot of that networking type of work. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
And I like I haven't lived in the U.S. So you know, but I heard that like getting a job like after graduation, like what you said, is so hard. Especially time is ticking. It's so stressful. <laughs> I I thought I was losing it. It was really hard. Yeah, I mean, like we think about think about it. Like you you've been in the U.S. and studying for I don't know three years, four years, and then like oh my gosh, if I don't get a job in three months, I need to go back to my home country, and then. You don't want that. You want to live in the U.S., right? So I can't imagine how how tough it was. And anyway, you made it happen. So <laughs> congrats on <Yes>. you. <laughs> Thank you. So so you got your full time job after graduation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then how was how was it? Like, what did you do? I saw that like you were a business analyst and also project manager. And yeah, can yeah. you can you tell us more about it? Uh, yes. So I got a little bit lucky with finding my first employer because they're an American Russian company, so to speak. Like they're based out of the states, but they had a lot of offices in Russia, as well as also Ukraine and Belarus. So it really helped that I knew Russian. Like that was probably one of the main hiring points for me. And then I my role as a business analyst was essentially almost like to become a consultant. Like they it was a telecom software company, so we worked with companies like let's say T Mobile or Telus. And within the first few months, I got put in front of a client and I was to gather requirements that would be used to build software for them afterwards. So it was a lot of a I would say it's a big learning curve, especially within a few months. You just have to learn how to interact with these people that are stakeholders and it's mm-hmm. a lot of responsibility. And growing from business analyst to project manager was within that company, there was a few options you could take. Like you either were state of business analyst became a really good one. You could become a project manager or you could become something more technical, like let's say a mm. person that designs the architecture. And I definitely didn't want to go the very technical route, but project manager seemed like an interesting option to me because it was a little bit of everything. We learned the whole development cycle. While as a business analyst, business analyst, you were only at the beginning of the development cycle where you were gathering, analyzing the requirements and transferring over to the development team. So I would say how that's how that journey happened. And I grew into the project manager because I kept changing projects. So I did like two different projects. Then I became a project manager, then another couple, then like fully became a project manager. And then after I left the company, I already had experience in both areas equally. So I chose to stay with a project management route. Mm-hmm. So I guess like, I'm not, you know, I'm not too familiar with, you know, business analyst and project manager, but like, I guess business analyst is more I don't like more technical side, can I say? More detailed, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So business analyst is like, if I were to, each company defines it differently, mind you. But in that case, it was like, oh, you tell me that you want to build a custom platform. And I come to you and ask you, okay, you want to build a custom platform. What do you want this custom platform to do? And you're like, well, I want it to record voice. I want it to record video. I need it to save in a certain location. So the person that's like asking those questions, doing that discovery, writing all of those specs down, mm-hmm. it in my case was the business analyst. And I thought it was interesting work, but I thought it wouldn't be as applicable or as general to everything as a IT project manager would be. So that's why I stuck to that one. Mm-hmm. Got it. And then um, from, you know, while you're work while, while you were working there, you, I don't know, like you relocated to Colombia and also in yes. Canada, right? So can you tell us yes. like how it happened? How was your experience uh, living in a completely different country? I guess like you have never lived in Colombia, in Canada by that? Never yeah. even been 
So yeah, Um, tell us more. So that actually ties in with the point I brought up earlier about the visa being the lottery process. Mm -hmm. I found a job and this company was open to sponsoring me, but I only had one year. I only had a one year, so to speak, work permit, the OPT. And the one year passes and I don't get selected for the lottery. So Mm. I have to stop working and that's it. One option is... It's really harsh. Like there is, yeah. I have a lot of concerns and thoughts about the U.S. skilled worker immigration employment system. It's just not great at all, which is one of the reasons you see a lot of U.S. educated people moving to Canada because yeah. they weren't able to secure their mm-hmm. work permits or permanent residence in the States for a long time. So after the year was up, I had an option to quit my job, go back to my home country, go to grad school. Or I had an option to stay with a company, but I couldn't, I was a North American employee, so they would like to have me in Canada, but I didn't have long enough work experience to apply for a Canadian work permit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my company was like, let's find you another location. And one of the options, I think they were considering moving me to somewhere in Eastern Europe, but that process was going to take too long. I think it was Ukraine that was being considered. And the other option was Latin America because they spoke some Spanish at that point. I wasn't oh, very wow. good, but I was okay. And I learned Spanish during university. So they told me there's two projects, Guatemala and Colombia. And Colombia is like the bigger one. There's more work going on there. And I also, it was my personal preference to move to Colombia. I've just heard great things. It's mm-hmm. a bigger country. I was I was interested in that particular country at that time. So I told them, yeah, okay, let's try Colombia. I had no idea what I was signing myself up for. Like, wow. all I knew about Colombia at that point was, would I get Don songs and Narcos? Like, <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. It sounds incredibly cliche, and I should have done a lot more research before thinking about a research like like decision like this but it just but sounded like it. an interesting experience i get it <laughs> i was 22 like I, I had no idea what i was doing and yeah we we agreed to transfer me to columbia and within two months of making that decision i got my work permit for columbia and i packed up two suitcases again put the rest of my stuff in storage in boston and moved to bogota Wow. Okay. First of all, I heard so many great things about like Bogota. I've never been. Um, I heard it's a beautiful country. So good on you. But like, we're like, okay, the first question is, did you know that like how long you're going to be in Bogota or you just had no idea? And just let's, let's go and see what happens. I think it was a combination of both. I think I had a general idea that my company wouldn't want to keep me in Latin America forever because, once again, spoke fluent English, spoke fluent Russian, started off as a North American employee. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't make a lot of sense to keep me there long. Uh, But at the end of the day, I actually had no idea because this was put together so quickly that I was to relocate that I was like, but maybe they find me another project there and I have to stay longer. No clue. So I moved there. And originally the plan was for me to be there around a year and then decide afterwards. Mm-hmm. But approximately halfway through my time there, my time on that project was running out. And instead of transferring me to another Latin American project, my company proposed to kick off my work permit for Canada. And that's how I learned about Canada, which I knew nothing about until then <laughs> as well. Wow, wow, wow. What a journey. 
So it's a lot. Yeah. Well, I I think like you're really brave. I mean, moving. I mean, I guess like because like when you first decided to move from Georgia to the U.S., like U.S. is your kind of like the the goal. I guess the end goal per、yeah. se. But then, okay, like now I have to. I didn't get the the visa, like Lori, the the, the visa thing, and、yeah. I I got to do what I got to do. Okay, let me go to Colombia, and then okay, Canada, bring it on. I'm gonna go there. So I think like not a lot of people can do that because it, it requires a lot of like courage to do so, especially moving to Latin America. You know, you you, told, you you said you speak a bit of Spanish, but still, it's very different. Uh, from my Spanish got a lot better there. I do have to say because nobody spoke English.、Yeah. I had to learn how to deal with paperwork, with setting up a debit card, with getting、wow. a phone number, everything in Spanish. And my Spanish just went up like this, like、yeah. exponential growth. Well, well, that that's good. Good side of it, right? That that's good. Yeah, but good like, yeah. Okay, so. So now, so I want to talk a little bit more about your entrepreneur journey.、Um, yeah. So, yeah, tell us more about your entrepreneurship journey because I'm I'm curious, like, you know, if you were always wanted to be an entrepreneur one day, or、mm. how did it all happen? Because I I know that you have a, a, a company called Visa Wire,、uh, but then、yeah. I also saw that like you you founded a One or two companies, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct me、yeah. if I'm wrong. But yeah,、uh, worked on a couple of ideas in the、okay. past, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so actually, the funnily enough, entrepreneurship was not always my passion or my dream, like a lot of people say. I was more of a traditional, like go to college, get a job. Like I went and then, like you know, excel in my job type、mm-hmm. of mindset because that's. Uh, the university I went to, Western Polytechnic, that's also like a big thing that they preach, like you know, become experts and like grow in that.、Mm. And I think when I was already working for the second year, and I was actually in Bogota, Colombia, I was feeling lost in a couple of ways, like in the sense that I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career anymore. Like I know it's like common to just start your first job, but it just didn't seem like the thing I want to be doing long term. And second of all. I got incredibly lonely because I didn't really have friends、yeah. in Bogota, and it's one thing when you're traveling around as a digital nomad in Medellin and hanging out in those communities. But I actually had a busy job that I was going、yeah. to. I had friends that were coworkers on business trips, but when all the coworkers left at the same time, I was stuck with almost nobody. Oh, I feel you. And it was <laughs> tough to make any friends. And I remember I was doing like a walk around my neighborhood, and I was thinking, why is there no app or anything that I could use?、Mm. To make friends more easily. Oh my gosh!、So、that's where that started. Wow! Brilliant idea. So what happened? Tell、Dropped、us more. It. It's too hard. What the long story short with that one? I learned it's too hard to build a social app without、yeah. any financing because you require a lot of money to grow that audience, that interest, and a good application. Yeah, we didn't have like I started the app with a good friend of mine, Ozzy. And we just realized that it is too much of a too time-consuming path, and so we decided to drop it for then. But no, the idea I still think is great. If somebody else does it, I will be incredibly grateful for them to them. But I decided that I just didn't have the capital to do it. But that's what got me into entrepreneurship because I think it was beginning of 2018. I seriously started thinking about it. 
Then I moved to Vancouver for my job, which is where I really felt the need for something like that. Mm -hmm. So I worked on it for, I'd say, almost like a couple of years. And by end of 2019, I ended up dropping that idea. But I stayed involved in the entrepreneurship world because the first thing I did when I moved to Vancouver and to Toronto was I went to a bunch of communities and events that were specifically for tech startups. And I just started meeting people there. And I stayed in the loop. Wow. First question. So did you end up making some friends in Colombia or without an app? Or <laughs> I did. I did. I met one really good friend that was introduced by another friend visiting. And then I actually did start slowly making some friends. But it's always the same thing. Like I found it takes approximately six months to get settled somewhere. Yeah. Like I would give it like four to six months. And mm -hmm. right around the time that I started to make those friends in Colombia, I had to leave. So yeah. that was a little bit heartbreaking. Oh my god, yeah, I totally resonate with you. I mean, it feels so lonely in a foreign country. And imagine like it's not even English speaking country. It's a country where you don't well, you speak Spanish, but like you're not like, you know, na as, as good as, you know, you know, English, right? I can't imagine. Wow. Yeah. It's really lonely. It's very different. A lot of people think that, oh my God, it's so great to travel, but like living in a foreign country and traveling is so different. Even digital nomad is so different because you feel like, oh, you're just there as a traveler, but like living with a full-time job is a, is a different story. So completely I, I different you. experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yes, yeah, so after that, what happened? So you, you know, you dropped that idea, the first idea, which I think is a brilliant idea. But I also agree that you know the the capital side of the thing. Um, but yeah, what happened in Vancouver? Yeah, what was what was your journey after? So when I arrived to Vancouver, I, I I transferred with my same company. So my work permit went through. They moved me to Vancouver almost like a year, like a little less than a year after I've been in Colombia. And I decided that I am tired of moving around or the, my future being held by a employer. Like that's, mm -hmm. I feel like that's a very precarious position to be in because like you like one project, but what if you don't like another project? What yeah. if you don't like your new boss? Like your future depends on them. And one of the first things I did is I started researching the process for Canadian permanent residents. Mm -hmm. because I've heard from coworkers that Canada's more reasonable about it than the U.S. So I discovered the Federal Skilled Worker Program. I think I did a couple of consultations and I decided that I said I'm going to apply. So 2018 was dedicated to me figuring out my permanent residence, like applying for it, doing all the paperwork. Wow. And in 2019, once I became a permanent resident, I left my job, I left Vancouver, and I moved to Toronto to pursue my entrepreneurial dream, so to speak. Wow. Why Vancouver? Like, what made you want to move from Vancouver to Toronto? So Vancouver was not the decision I made because mm -hmm. to move there, like it was just the project was there and I was open to checking out because, okay, like I was getting transferred to Canada, like already, like I was interested in moving here. It seemed like uh, I was definitely interested in checking out Canada after living in the U.S. And the second thing is once I was there, I was just curious to see what the West Coast vibe is like. Yeah. You know? I've always lived on the East Coast. True, and true. After after <laughs> a year, I made a decision that I am most definitely 100% an East Coast girl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like Toronto runs on coffee and anxiety, and I'm okay with that. Like, I like that. Yeah. I think everybody's a little too relaxed for my style 
Yeah, I guess so. I can just do it. I guess Woodbine Beach is enough for us. More than enough. Yeah, more than enough. Perfect. Um, Another factor I would say was it's quite far away from home because I live Mm -hmm. in Eastern Europe and like West Coast, especially Vancouver, is probably as far away as I could go from Georgia. So it's it's a huge distance. Yeah, we had an 11 or 12 hour time difference on the phone. So for me, that was a lot already. I didn't want that big of a distance because that ended up like I couldn't really travel home as much as I wanted and I was like, no, that's it. I'm, I want to go to the East Coast. And I visited Toronto. I visited a friend uh, who was living here at the time. And I was in Vancouver. And I just really liked the city. So I was like, that's it. I'm moving back East. I am going to be in the startup hub of Canada, so to speak. Because mm-hmm. that is definitely Toronto. True. And I'm going all in. Wow. Okay. Wow. What a journey. So you moved quite a bit. Like from Georgia to the U.S., wow. U.S. to Bogota, Bogota to Vancouver, Vancouver to Toronto. Wow. <laughs> good on you like honestly so yeah so now you founded a great company great startup um named visa wire to help other newcomers in canada i believe tell mm-hmm. us more about the your company how you started and how's your journey been um yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I had a couple of ideas beforehand, like Delphi was that friend app that I wanted to do, but then we stopped. Then during 2020, I was actively researching like future of work because I thought Mm. that was interesting. And then I kind of had a moment where I sat down and was like, what do I really care about? Like really care about that I could remain committed to. And I think that's when I'm kind of bulb went up in my head. I was like, I really care about immigration, like moving, mm-hmm. relocating. I really, cause it's something that my entire story is built yeah. on. Uh, this is something that I read about and learn about just for fun, because I'm curious about mm-hmm. how other people like go through it and what are the changes that are happening. So I found a visa wire is almost this like immigration guide like immigration relocation guide currently i call it an immigration service marketplace and relocation guide for coming to canada and hopefully other world leading countries such as australia new zealand us uk and the goal is to be like if you are a motivated talented skilled individual that is looking to either study or work or settle in, mm. in one of these western countries where do you go what do you trust what mm-hmm. can you do And you have all of that in one place, along with the people that can help you take the next step. So it's kind of like this two-sided marketplace. And obviously, it's like still pretty early stage. I only started like beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. I'm a solo founder. So it's a little bit of like a slower journey, but it's been very rewarding so far because I've definitely seen the need. Like people constantly get in touch with me asking like, what options are there to move to Canada? How does one get a job here? And you see this opportunity to share this information with people. I I think that's a great idea. And I, I 100% believe that there are a lot of demands out there. And I think a lot of people will appreciate it. Because I remember like, um, you know, when I, I decided to move to Canada in 2018. But like, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. When we decided, well, I, I should say I, <laughs> when I decided to move to, okay, now I want to move to like, I don't know, the like English speaking country. And then, you know, it would be either, but US is very known for like difficult visas. You know, it's not very, yeah. I don't really think about US when I think about like, oh, how can I get a permanent residency? Because I know that it's, it's really, really yeah. tough to get a permanent residency. So like, okay, 
not the U.S. Even if I would love to, uh, but then okay, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, or maybe Ireland. Right? Those are the UK English maybe UK maybe right? So those are the yeah. English countries. But a lot of times, including myself, I just didn't know like which country to choose. And then I went online and just like. Do some research. Okay, how's Canada and how's Australia? And then compare everything. It takes ages. It takes a lot of time. And so, it, I know. And then at the same time, it's a it's a it's so important, right? So it's either like if it, we don't want to make mistake, right? So <laughs> yeah, if we decide to go to Canada, it should you know I I don't have other like funds you know to. To 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 try Australia next, right? So I I hundred percent yeah. think that what your company does is really valuable to a lot of people. I hope that's going to be the case, and <laughs> that's exactly the plan to grow it into this kind of go to place for your immigration relocation needs. And if you need to pick between Canada and Australia, like hey, you have the tools in place to mm-hmm. do that research and not some scammy third-party websites that you don't know yeah. what to trust or not or like blog posts or whatever it is yeah yeah exactly well if anyone out there who's listening to this podcast uh if any of you guys are thinking of moving to canada or australia nino is here visa wire <laughs> is here to help you guys so check it out um so a couple more questions. Uh, you tr- well, you are the tech startup founder, which is really amazing. And before you know Visa Wire, you founded Delphi. Uh, and then what were what were your learnings uh, from your experience, mm. like entrepreneurship learnings? I guess. <laughs> oh my god, there is so much. Like I can like, <laughs> list off mistake after mistake after mistake I made, especially like Delphi, the first one I. Every the way I describe that experience, like every mistake I could have made in the entrepreneurship handbook, I made every single one. Wow, good uh, on you! Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this is probably not true. Uh, it ended up being absolutely true. So I think that regardless of how much material there is out there about entrepreneurship, there is nothing that actually prepares you for what it is. But at the same time, everybody looks only at the glam of it, like being like, I want to be a startup founder, innovate. And then you get into it and realize that being anywhere near decent startup founder, I'm not even saying I'm there yet, who knows when I'll be there, is a lot of work. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of work, a lot of timing, a lot of luck, like you maybe have the right idea. And you're the right person, but it's the wrong time. Or maybe it's the right time, but it's the wrong idea. Or maybe like you're just going after the wrong. Maybe you just got unlucky. Like it's startup. It's incredibly tough. And all you do is you go on LinkedIn and you see these people that are like talking about their successes. And you're like, why can't I be like them? Mm -hmm. Is it something that I screwed up? And the truth of it is like, no, those people just worked a lot and Mm -hmm. right place, right time. And there's no such thing as an overnight success. You don't know how much work that person put in before this took off. Oh my gosh. Amen so that to is that. My, <laughs> I am very bullish about this one because I, I still see like starry-eyed people coming into it. And listen, some things you just have to learn on your own, mm-hmm. but that's my main lesson. There's no such thing as overnight success and don't let like the glitz and the glam and like the status of everything distract you. At the end of the day, you're building something, you're doing it for a reason and it's your job mm-hmm. to figure out how to 
build it and nobody's really going to help you with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. Like if it was easy, every, everyone would have done it, right? So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you agree, but like, don't you feel also a little bit lonely during <laughs> becoming a solo oh, entrepreneur, right? It's a, it's a lonely journey too, I think. And it's like a, it's a very lonely journey if you don't, especially if you don't have a co-founder.、Mm-hmm. And another thing is that all you do is you're just in this internal mon- dialogue、oh、with yourself. Being like, did I do this right? Did I do not do this right? Why am I doing this right? Why would I do that? Why did I do that? And it's just like you arguing at yourself <laughs> in your head and turning that off is one of the toughest things I've ever experienced or like putting any boundaries in place. Like, This is a set amount of work that I'm going to perform, and I'm not going to go over this because I need to have a life.、Mm-hmm. Like, that, those kind of things are very important to do. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I am sure Visa Wire is going to be an amazing success. I, I really believe that you can help a lot of people、uh, who are willing to, who, who want to move to Canada and other countries out there. So I believe in, in your company and so many people will do as well. Thank、so. you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's、Hope、do this.、So. <laughs> okay.、Uh, one last question that I have for you. I ask this question to all the guests.、Uh, what、mm-hmm. is your favorite book that you would like to recommend to our listeners or anyone in general? Just your favorite book?、Mm. So I actually thought about that and I realized that my favorite book is probably not what I'd be recommending because I'm a very much fantasy fiction person and、mm. not everybody's cup of tea. Like, you know, I could tell you, oh, I love this like incredibly fantasy focused book, which I do.、Um, so I thought of two things here. One is a book that I highly respect that I would absolutely recommend everyone to read. And the other one is a book that is my. Favorite in terms of professional and personal kind of development.、Mm-hmm. So, the one for personal and professional development is as cliche as it might sound, it's the four hour work week. Oh, and I will say why. And it's not because I necessarily applied all of the concepts there or because like I built the business the way Tim recommends it. It helped me really think about how I do my work、mm-hmm. and how I. Manage my time and what I give my time to because I read that book when I was in this like transformative phase of my life. Like, how do I make money while I have a startup? And I was worried that I'm gonna have to go back to get a full time job. And、mm-hmm. the way he phrases like, he taught me to value my time and just start making more per less time. And that's something I've been working towards for a good two years. Mm. So, that book I highly recommend to anybody that's interested in just kind of like breaking out of their mold, so to speak. And the other book that I love and I recommend people read if they're actually just interested in fantasy fiction is Fahrenheit 451、uh, mm-hmm. by Ray Bradbury.、Okay. It's, a, it's classical, it's still kind of fiction y, but it's one of the more classical ones from there. And I believe a lot of concepts from that book are very applicable because it talks about people destroying literature that they, because literature was banned at the time. And、uh, kind of like saving cultural and historic kind of writing. Like, it's, I think it's very important to understand the concept of that book. I read it when I was very young and it made a profound impact on me. I think I was、mm-hmm. 12 when I read it. And I、wow. recommend people read it. It's not a big book and it's very filled with a lot of lessons, I would say. Wow. I haven't read it yet. So I'll definitely give it a go. Thanks for the recommendation. And、uh, I am a huge fan. Of Tim Ferriss. 
So when you mentioned the book, I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. I probably I love to. Yeah, I have to read it, read it again. I have that book、uh, here, but I might need to read it again because I need to work on that. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna keep it a go again. It just well, helps you value your time more. You yeah, know, like, that's what I like about it. I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard. I mean, like, I feel like, oh my gosh, like, is it already like Friday kind of feeling? You know, like, oh my god, where my time、yes. went? <laughs> what have I done? What did I do? What have exactly. I worked on? Like, exactly. Okay, well, that's it for today's interview. Is there anything that you'd like to say、uh, before we wrap up? No,、uh, just thank you so much for having me, and、uh, I wish the best of luck to everybody that is looking to move to Canada next. Great country to build your career or company or whatever it is. So, yeah, just that. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna link everything in the show notes. But like, where can people find you online?、Uh, people can find me on LinkedIn.、Uh, my So I believe it's Nino Melikiza on LinkedIn.、Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, also Nino Melikiza, or I also talk a lot through my VisaWire handles. So definitely、mm-hmm. just any VisaWire accounts. All right, sounds great. I'm gonna link everything down in below. So if anyone who's hoping to move to Canada or other countries, check it out.、Uh, what she's doing is amazing, I believe. So it's gonna be very helpful for you guys. All right, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week. Hope you learned something new from this episode, and now you are motivated and fired up to make your dream come true. Make sure to share with others who might need to listen to this podcast because this is something they needed to listen to to be inspired. We never know. Lastly, be sure to subscribe and follow Self Made Express with Lucy John on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or wherever you listen to podcasts, and I will talk to you very soon. Thanks for being here.